Good day, folks. Today is the 15th day of January 2022. I'm your host and narrator, Mitchell Dawkins, with today's message. And uh, today's message is entitled, uh, Roxanne Formula. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version of uh, the Bible, out of Matthew uh, 7, 24 through 29. I'm sorry, 7, 24 through 27. And I'm also going to read uh, from Luke chapter 6, verses 47 through 49. And, um, you know, before I do so, when I'm out sometimes shopping, you know, wherever I shop at, Target, uh, Walmart, or, you know, even some bookstores I go into, you know, because I like to look at some stuff sometimes. And, hey, man, you can always see, hey, man, a lot of books has been published, or sometimes in the bookstore, a whole section, amen, on how-to books, or do-it-yourself books, cookbooks, and whatnot, amen, which are very good books, uh, you know, I'm not discrediting the books, you know, I, I, I buy some of them and, 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 and check them out, you understand what I'm saying, but they all have one thing in common, amen, and that's a formula, you see, and uh, you even have some books uh, that have been published about formulas, how to fix your life, you know, get rich, quick schemes and, 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 and do this kind of scheme and do this kind of thing, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, if 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 there were a formula to fix life, Jesus would have told us what it is. In fact, Jesus tells us exactly the opposite in Matthew 27 uh, or Matthew 7 uh, verses 24 through 27. And I'm going to read what it says here. Verse 24 says of Matthew chapter uh, 7, it says, Therefore, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and the and great was its fall. And now I'm going to go to uh, Luke, glory to God, amen. I'm going to go to Luke chapter, um, amen, chapter 6, verses 46 through uh, 49, amen. And it reads like this. And now both of these readings that I'm reading are parables, you see, Amen. Uh, uh, back in Matthew, amen, we have a parable of two builders. And in Luke, we have a parable of two, uh, uh, of two uh, foundations. And so, and so that's what we're talking about. Amen. And but let me, let me begin to read. Uh, verse 46 says, Well, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building his house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the, the, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was found, uh, found on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a, a, is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of the house was great. Glory to God. And so as Jesus comes uh, to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, 
and draws his final conclusion, he shows us that formulas form a flawed foundation of the flesh, guaranteed to bring down our lives in the storms, in the stormy water, or in the storms of a water, of a, of a flood. You see? And so, uh, we see in Matthew 27, uh, or Matthew 7, uh, verses 24 and 20 through 27, where Jesus calls us twice to obey him, and then shows us that our obedience will be tested by a storm. You see? And so Jesus calls us to obey. Obedience shows us to be wise. We see that in, in, in uh, verse 24. To be obedient is to hear Christ's words. To obey is to be constantly hearing Christ's words. There is a constant focus on listening to his words. In fact, we are listening for the living word through the written word. Through the written word. There is a focus on living uh, or the living word in this passage that we cannot miss. It's not just the words, it's his words. The words of the son of God, the words of the living God. The loving revelation of a sovereign God of the universe. The prophets call on their hearers to do the will of God. He calls on the hearers to do the will or to do his will. He is the highest of the high. Now, let me just make this clear. Glory to God. Amen. Um, I'm still learning. You understand what I'm saying? And I'm still learning how to be in total obedience to the word of God. So I don't want to come off as if I arrived anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Because God is still doing work in my life. And the minute I stop letting him do work in my life, then that's what I'm running to the area of being disobedient. You see? And so I'm, 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 I'm learning how to, amen, to receive the download so it can purge out this old information of this old life of mine. Glory to God. And so to be obedient is to do more than just hear Christ's words. To obey is to do Christ's words. Once again, the emphasis is on consistency in doing as it is in hearing. Obedience is not just hearing, it's hearing and doing on a very consistent basis. But there's a problem with our typical view of, of, of obedience, you see? We think of obedience as doing what the Bible says, and in doing so, we reduce the living word into dead words. We, 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 when, when, we, when we do this, you see, we turn his life into our death and miss the point of obedience. Obedience, amen, is not conformity to external commands, but response to a loving relationship. Since we are responding to a loving relationship with the living word, we can only obey the written word when the living word acts through us. Glory to God. So this means obedience is desperately depending on the living word to practice the principle, the principles of the living word. I mean, of the written word, should I say. And so obedience is a response to the internal relationship with the living word, not a response of good behavior to the external commands of the written word. 
An intimate relationship with the living word results in genuine obedience to the written word. Glory to God. I said I'm still learning. Okay? Amen. And so this kind of obedience shows wisdom. Glory to God. It shows wisdom. Now Jesus presents us with with this parable which I just read. In which those who hear and obey his words were likened to a wise man. Huh? This man is wise, not in a theoretical sense, but in the very functional sense. He he got some know-how. He is not wise because of what he knows, but because of what he does. He wants to build a house like all of us. He wants to build a house, a life. So he goes out and he surveys the the best plot. He see he he may see beautiful plots. You know what I'm saying? Glory to God. He might see he might see beautiful plots shaded in a lovely in a, in a lovely narrow valley with trees all around, cool breeze that blow uh, at the end of hot days, surrounded by green meadows, a narrow creek running through the property. Ain't that nice, huh? But then he asked the agent. This is just a little story. Then he asked the agent, "Does that stream?" ever flood and the agent say not in a hundred years and so then the man looks closely and realizes that if there ever was a severe storm the kind that could happen in our part of the world or any part of the world for that matter he'll be wiped out so he keeps looking until he finds a less attractive setting but a place that provides a solid foundation and he builds there He's building on the rock, glory to God. So Jesus, hallelujah, is the living rock. He is the living word. And his words are the living rock. He is ensuring all he has and all he is to the rock. It may not be beautiful. It might not not be as beautiful. You understand what I'm talking about? It might not be as shady. It might not be as desirable as other plots of land, but it is secure. He can trust the rock. And this is what life is all about. It's about trusting the rock. It's about turning away from the allure of power or the greed of fame or the attraction of success formulas to abandon all for trust in Jesus so we depend on him to do what we cannot do for ourselves glory to God to hear and obey his words this makes this is what makes us wise the storms of life will provide our wisdom see now we're beginning to see the true nature of hearing it's not just listening. It's not, it's, not, it's not evaluating the concepts critically as if we can judge the truth about the living word. It, it's listening and learning and living. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're going we gonna to evaluate the concepts. Of course, we're going we gonna, we gonna to think through what Jesus is saying. Of course, we're going to consider what it means for our lives. And of course, we're going to ask questions to grasp its meaning as well as the meaning of what it means for us. But our object is to live what we have heard and what we have learned. When Jesus calls us, when Jesus calls us, y'all excuse me, my phone was ringing. When Jesus calls us uh, to hear and do, 
He's calling for us to listen carefully and thoroughly so we can learn as completely as possible how he wants us to live, how he wants us to live. Christianity is not facts to believe, nor formulas to be lived, but a relationship to be entered into and a life to be received, glory to God. So our life is not a, a life of steps. Our life is a life of trust. And so one might wonder, perhaps, how come the Bible never doesn't tell us how? How come the Bible doesn't give us steps, formulas to manage life? Well, could it be because we can't control life? That we were, we were created to uh, depend in life and not independent? Or should I say we were created to be dependent in life and not independent? Or, or could it be because formulas gives us control and makes us independent and trust removes us from control and makes us dependent? And what might the storms have to do with this? Huh? Well, we see in verse uh, 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 25 of Matthew chapter 7, that storms prove our wisdom. Storms come, and there's nowhere around the reality of storms. Look how graphic the passage makes the storm. He said the rain on a rain on the roof, winds on the walls, flood of the foundations, and the house stands. So our lives survive the storms because we, we, we've depended on Christ. We're building on the rock because we're building through the rock. There are many, there are many, there are many different kinds of storms that we have in life. We got physical storms. We got, you know, uh, we, 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 we struggle with, with, with health. You know, we got emotional struggles. We got financial struggles. We got spiritual struggle, struggles. So building on the rock does not prevent the storms. It may, it, it, in fact, it might even invite the storms as those who reject the rock attack those who build on the rock. Huh? So when you build on the rock, you must expect storms because only storms can show your wisdom to the world around you. But what if you don't build on the rock? Huh? Yeah. So now we turn into the second part of the passage. Where once again, uh, uh, Jesus calls us to obey. But now he paints a different picture. Huh? Disobedience makes us foolish. That's what he says in 726. Many, uh, many of us are disobedient without even realizing it. And that's including myself. Yeah. I told you I'm still learning. Huh? We start with a fatal flaw in our thinking. We think obedience is up to us. That obedience is a matter of steps, formulas. That if we follow these steps, we are obedient and we'll be able to be obedient. We don't even realize we are functional legalists. That's what we are. We are confused about formulas and don't even recognize, uh, we, don't, we don't even recognize them as a form about legalism. We reduce the Christian uh, uh, life to formulas, steps to succeed. We have formulas for marriage, for raising children, for succeeding in business, or for our walk with God. Hmm? All kinds of formulas we got. 
But we fail to realize, or what we fail to realize, is, is, is that when we build our lives on formulas, we are building our lives on sand. While we think we are hearing and obeying Christ's words, we are actually building our lives on fatal flawed of the flesh, on the fatal flaw of the flesh. That's what we're doing. And it's core, it's core functional legalism. Living our lives functionally as legalists. And that's placing our confidence in the flesh. And the floods will make this clear. It's going to make it clear to us. Legalism is a matter of rules and regulation. Legalism is a matter of resource. Huh? So we end up doing the works of the flesh rather than bearing the fruit of the spirit. Because when the flesh does the right things, it always bears the wrong fruit. This is why so many Bible-believing so-called churches end up acting worse than unbelievers. Now, I'm not trying to criticize nobody. You understand? We are disobedient while doing the right things that make us look obedient. Glory to God. We spend time in the word. We pray. We do what the Bible says. But we don't bear the fruit of the Bible. Huh? We struggle with anger. And I know this all too well. We struggle with anger, unforgiveness, pride, division, all the works of the flesh and don't understand why. Our intentions are good. Our fruit is lacking though. Huh? And the inevitable storm comes. The storm, the storm that comes, it reveals all as we stand in shock, surrounded by the ruins of the life we've been building. And so again, disobedience proves us to be foolish. You see, both men do the same thing. They build a life. Both men want the same thing. They want a life. They want a marriage. They want a family. They want a career. They want retirement. We all want that. Everything we, 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 we long to have. You understand? We work for it with all our energy and find our lives in shambles. Huh? And so the storms of life prove our foolishness. Controlled by fear, driven by ambition, committed to Christ, striving for control, totally out of control, we prove ourselves to be foolish. Hmm? There's only one difference between the wise man and the foolish man. And it's not what they want or what they do. It's their foundation, glory to God. The wise man built his house on the foundation of the, uh, uh, of the rock, which is Christ. The foolish man built his house on the foundation of sand, himself, his flesh, he seeks to hear and obey through his flesh and his foundation is flooded out. Yeah, it is. And so why must our righteousness surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees? What was wrong with their righteousness? They were the ultimate formula makers. Hmm. So we need to know who the scribes and the Pharisees were. The scribes were interpreters of law. They were, they, they, they were required to be 30 years of age. They were well trained and they were highly respected. Their understanding of the law of God gave them great authority and they were unwilling to give up that authority. 
when Jesus came with deeper insights and, 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 and an authority that they could never have, they acted to protect their power rather than acknowledging their pride. Glory to God. And so the Pharisees also had great power and respect. And at one point in their history, they deserved it. 150 uh, years before Jesus came, they took a stand for God. They took a stand for God's truth against secularized uh, society that cost many, many, many of them their lives. So by doing this, they saved the nation from a total loss of faith. Had that happened, Israel would have lost their distinctiveness as God's people. However, across the years, they used their position as, as, as religious leaders to gain power over their followers. They had become hypocritical in the pursuit of law, adding all sorts of unbearable demands God never intended, making it impossible for anyone to keep his truth as, 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 as they explained it. They had great political and economic power that they didn't want to give up. So they refused to respond to Jesus. They preferred their formulas to his words. Huh? They were, they, they, they were committed to keeping a law they could not keep. Thus, annulling the very law they claimed to keep. And their righteousness, they were building a house on the shifting sands of self-effort and flesh, and it would crash when the storms of life hit. Huh? And so the only way our righteousness can surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees is to have a true righteousness that meets God's laws and, and doesn't annul any part of it. And the only righteousness that does that is Christ's righteousness. The scribes and the Pharisees have a kind of every man righteousness. You see? They had the right standard, God's law. They had the right goal, holiness. They had the right process, worship. They had the right aim, loving God and man. But they had the wrong power in mind, their own. And they had the wrong measurement, their own. And they had the wrong mind, deceived. And they bore the wrong fruit, pride. And they faced the wrong fate, death. They built their lives on the wrong foundation and their lives failed when tested by the storms of accountability. Glory to God. And so now we can put stormology all together. Storms turn control into trust. Storms transfer consumer Christians into committed Christians. Storms reveal the reality of lives. And storms test the foundation of our lives. Our foundations, amen, are hidden. And we can go a long time keeping them secret. We can look and sound just like Christians around us. We may even build bigger and greater homes than many of them. Even multi-room mansions. The tragedy is that we may be able to keep the foundation of our lives hidden for a long period of time. As I have as seen and I have done. But when we reach certain ages, 50s and, and whatnot, everything starts to fall apart. Their lives are over, shattered in pieces. The only thing worse than that is to make it into your 60s and be more before your true foundation is revealed. And the only thing worse than that is to make it eternity. Now, 
Make that kind of lifestyle eternity. Only the false foundation of your life revealed by the searing judgment of God's ultimate storm. Your accountability to him when you can deny nothing. You can't deny nothing no more. And so I asked the question, not only to the listeners, but to myself first. What is your supreme desire? Do you want, what, what do you want more than anything else? Dependence on Christ in you, the foundation of your life, or the dependence of running your own life, building on the sands of futile flesh? The storm is coming. What will it reveal about the true sense or the true essence of your life? This has been Mitchell Dawkins with today's Midday Message.